Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the CFFL HQ podcast. This is being recorded uh, in the afternoon, April 21st. It's been a couple, like 12, 13 days since I've been able to get one up. Hopefully now, um, as we get inching a little closer to the season, I'm going to be trying to get a bigger library up so that you can plow through these at your leisure. Um, just had a few texts. Not many, but just, uh, you know, kind of finalizing a few things and talking to people and just trying to wanted to just do a brief podcast of what what is it like? What's what is the typical not so much requirement, but how should someone go about working and reviewing their team in the CFFL? Okay. So, as we've stated multiple times, the the preparation aspect is totally up to the individual. I mean, it could be five minutes, five days, five weeks, five months beforehand. The league is really built where that's not something that you have to really put a whole lot of thought into. But when you – what are, like, the major dates and the major things that need to be done as a member – of the league. Well, I mean, outside of draft weekend and drinking and eating and enjoying the company of others, I mean, there isn't a whole lot that needs to be done here. Remember, you only have three moves throughout the entire season. So you just got to figure out how you want to build your team. I think what we've tried to talk about, some of the ideas that have been captured uh, in some of these podcasts is that there is really no definitive I don't want to put this there isn't a guarantee of anything beyond the current season that's been the biggest change in the league over the last 13 14 years sure you if you get a quarterback at a at a, at a big time school who hits year one year two sure now you could hold on to that but unless you're getting a player at a at a, at a blue blood program they could always move and then all of a sudden that wide receiver at a smaller school may not be as desirable if they move to, I don't know, um, Northwestern or I guess Northwestern doesn't really work in the portal. So that's not a good example. Like, do you want an awesome wide receiver at Kent state or do you want them to be, um, a supporting player at like Penn state, which is what Dante Cephas is, uh, that actually happened. So have fun with it is what I say, and just build a team however you want. And if you're close, the one thing that I think every owner could decide is, are they going to play with any of their uh, their resources or are they just going to play it uh, round by round? That is probably one thing you would want to figure out. Personally, I think moving – resources around on the timeline of when you think your team is good, that's something that I would consider doing. Just going pick by pick by pick by pick when there are 16 teams in the league, that that could be tough. Um, it can certainly happen, but it, it could be difficult for that to uh, for that to transpire on an annual basis. So that just may be figuring out what your philosophy is going to be. Are you going to be someone who likes to move and shake, make deals? Or are you just someone who's just going to plot along? 
I'm not speaking better or worse against any. Um, but a cautious approach, I don't know if it's going to work in a league when, you know, some of these dynasties that we saw before are going to go by the wayside because, again, you really only get 19 players, two defensive bundles, or 18 if you keep three to really build out a team. And it's difficult with the portal, with uncertainty, players moving around. Some players who were proven that have another year maybe are not coming back as fast from injury. Makes it difficult for all that to happen. So as an owner, what do you need to do? Have fun, pick the guys that you think are going to be good players, and then use the free agency period during the season to kind of supplement your team. So that would be one of the dates that I would look at. After week one, you can make two free moves if you want. So you have the draft, you have the preseason, you go in. What I would do is I would follow all your players week one, how many of them played, how many of them were meaningful players, how many of them just ghosted and just didn't play at all, which happens, can happen to anybody. So if you see that everyone's playing and everyone's contributing, even if they didn't have a really good game, but you know that someone you can count on that's at least going to get you some production, then you hold on to them. But if you start to see that you have gaping holes at some certain positions, that's where you may want to say, hmm, let's go the free agent route. The league is being designed in some of the free agency points, uh, or I'm sorry, some of the free agency draft picks are going to have to be given up. Um, it's being kind of re recalibrated a little bit where it makes it easier for you to go get two or three free agents a year if you want to. And certainly you can also make trades with some of the other owners. But there's the preseason trades and then there's the in-season trades. But I think what we're trying to do is really incentivize, go get players um, that can help you win now. And don't worry so much about what that's going to look like in two, three years. Now, look, if your team's in a rebuilding and you know, you're willing to give up a few picks to get some better picks in, the, in, in following drafts, that's totally fine. But when you go throughout the season, monitoring that week one performance of all your players and then figuring out, do I want to make two moves? Because if you make two moves week one, they're both free. Now you have one move left for the rest of the year after that, and that one will cost you money or cost you a pick. Sorry. You could also, you could go make all three of your picks after week one. And then whoever is the least performing, that's what would count for you uh, from a draft perspective, but that may not be worth it. There's just different strategies that you can look at there. But I would certainly look at week one. Where am I rusty? Is there someone I could pick up? Now, obviously, out of conference play, things can change. You could pick somebody up who maybe isn't really that good and maybe just had a good game that first week. But we only have nine regular season games. And really, during the season, what should you be looking at? Not, much unlike, not unlike many of your other leagues, but everyone contributing do we have enough firepower on the team to get to 200 points 200 is a pretty good score if your team's scoring 200 points i don't really care if you're winning or losing that's going to be good enough to give you an opportunity if you see that your team is more in the 120s 130s 140s 150s what that suggests is you don't have the firepower to compete with teams that are going to put up 220, 230, 240. 
I mean, win-loss record in a lot of ways is meaningless. The strength of scoring, which we outlined before, and I'll give a quick recap, it's probably your better indicator. Strength of scoring is simply you get a number assigned for what your point total was for that week. So now that we have 16 teams, 16 is the highest that you can get. So as you move through the regular season, the most points that you can get for strength of scoring is 144. The closer that number is to 144, the better your team is. And just backing this up, we haven't really had a dominating team since Brian G in 2019. And there were two standout teams there. But again, that's pre-COVID. Even the two championship teams that Jeremy had the past two years, they were beatable. They, they were not these juggernauts that we saw in the mid-teens. Like when Justin and Jeremy were putting up these incredible teams, we also had rosters that were far bigger. I mean, we were at a point then, we were around 25, 26, 27, 28 in that range, down to 21. And that makes it far difficult for everyone to keep a concentrated amount of talent. So week one, you have to have a real strong assessment. Is my team able to perform over the next couple of weeks? What you have to look at is can my team get to 200? If you haven't gotten the 200 points by week five, the next big date on the calendar is now week six. At the end of week six, you have the end of our transaction period. From week six to the end of the CFFL uh, calendar is the only time there's no player movement. You could trade a player today if you really wanted to. No one's really in a position to do that, but if you wanted to, you could. But you have to have an honest assessment by the time you get to week six. Now, to eliminate tanking, which we talked about in our opening podcast, um, if you finish with the worst record in our league, you don't qualify for anything and you simply just get the fifth pick in each round of the draft uh, the subsequent year. The four teams right above that, uh, 12, 13, 14, and 15, will play in a two-week playoff. And then those four teams will jockey for the top four positions in the following year draft. You got to tear out your team, and you start to think around week six. One, can I win the con- – can I get to the conference championship? So to kind of go back again, what we're talking about in the podcast, um, the first major podcast, if you can get to the conference championship game, you have a far greater path to winning the championship. If you can't get, if you have to then play in those multiple team playoff games, your chances decrease considerably. So just a quick recap, the top two teams in each conference, We have eight teams in each conference. The top two in week 10 will play in a conference championship game. Natty Light will have a conference championship game. Bush Light will have a conference championship game. Those four out of 16 teams also stay out of playing in a three- and four-way playoff fray. So five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, and 11. Those seven teams will be playing in a three-way or a four-way, depending on seeding, and only two teams come out. So that's two out of seven, which by my math is, what, 27 28%? So if you think about that, 28.5%, uh, 28.5%, right? So you have to figure out how are you going to get to the conference championship game. So when you get to that week five, week six moment, you start to make an honest assessment about your team. You have to say, is my team able to get to the conference championship? 
If you can't, can you win a playoff game? If you go up against two other teams or you go up against three other teams, do you have enough firepower for that to take place? If you can't answer yes to either of those, it's not the end of the world to start weighing trade options. But what's going to be the market on that? If you can, make, if other people can make free agent moves, maybe you give it a shot. Remember, we're doers in the CFFL. We don't sit here and we don't lay up and hope that in three years we will be good. But if you see that your team can't get above like 130, 140, it's fine if your win-loss isn't that strong. Even if your SOS isn't that strong, if you have periods on the calendar where you've scored 200, 210, 220, then you have the ability. Because it gets really tricky because some teams are built for out-of-conference play, but then some are built for in-conference play. You know, you have a bunch of MAC players who are traveling to the SEC, especially at the running back position. They may not play up to their ability, up to their potential those first couple of weeks, but then they really turn it on later on. And as we've talked about and highlighting a few of our champions over the past couple of years, Jeremy certainly with Kobeck, Christian with Andy Isabella, um, and also AJ Ouellette. There have been different instances where some of these MAC players who didn't do well at the beginning of the season really crush it later in the season. You will know your players better than anyone. One of the things that I'm excited about this year, Brian R. brought this up before, you will be able to see how your bench players are doing in real time uh, on the on our dashboard this year. So you'll see the players in your starting lineup, but you'll also see the players that you benched. You should have real-time information on how each of your players are performing. And once you get to that week five, week six mark, you make that determination. Everyone's certain, no one should be bottoming out. I don't think anyone wants to play for 16 now because if you get to 12 to 15, you at least play for hopefully a one, a one seed. But the other thing you have to realize, playing, getting into the playoffs, if you can put one great week together, all of a sudden, instead of being one of 11 teams, you're now down to one out of six. And those are much better odds. You just got to get out of that three-way and four-way round, which is in week 10. Okay. So just to kind of recap, preseason scouting can be whatever you want it to be. It can start the day of the draft. You know, there's enough resources put together. The thing that you want to do is, do I have a quarterback that I can start each week that could take me to the championship? If you go in with that mindset, I don't think that your team is going to struggle. If you have the quarterback, let the chips fall where they may after that. Whether that's going, you know, for the overly productive tight end, you want to round out the roster with a bunch of good running backs and wide receivers, that's up to you. But you must have quarterbacks that can put up in a given week 50, 60 points. Once you have a quarterback, you put your team together, then you start to figure, how's the draft gone for me? What does my team look like? All of a sudden, do I want to start moving some resources around to support this team and make a run at it this year? That's the next thing that you probably have to make a decision on. Once you've done that, then you go through pre your preseason free agency, try to round out your roster. Is there anyone there that you want? Anyone that you want to keep? Okay. So you got draft, 
How's the draft looking? Do you want to make any trades? I'm a big proponent of trades. Always moving your assets around. I think it's difficult to just stay pat each round and think that you're going to find players that are going to result in a win. But some of the other ideas that you could consider, you know, trading draft picks, getting future higher draft picks. If you don't feel like this is the year, that's totally fine. But we always try to play for this year. Once you get into the season, monitor your team. Week one, what are the major gaps? What are the free agents you need to put uh, bring in? Like I said, you have three of them. And then you got week six. Follow and monitor your team up to week six. Can you get to – can you get to week six? And when you're – I'm sorry. Can you get to 200, 210, 220 points? If you can do that, you're in a really good spot. You have an opportunity. If you can't do that and your team has consistently shown that that can't happen, then maybe that's when you start to make a move. Start to consider that. But really, that's the league. Submit your team nine times. See where that gets you. Hopefully, it gets you. But the whole thing is that it's just meant to uh, be fun. And... There are very few times that you have to really look at what am I doing here? Like the, the maintenance on this league is is next to none. And I think, you know, in, with a sport with now 134 teams, if you want to go crazy and, and study all the teams, you can. But you don't have to do that. And it, it's set up that if you get one or two really good pieces, you can ride that all the way to the end. So – it's more the engagement factor than it is sitting there and did you evaluate ninth, tenth, and eleventh round players uh, the best that you uh, in the best way possible. Certainly, if you hit on players later in the draft, that's good. That's really good, actually. But if you find a, a two or three players in the draft, you pick up another one in free agency and maybe get another one through trade. You have a sufficient roster to make a run and really. If, you, if you're in the top two, you're a championship. If you make it to the conference championship game, you're a contender. If you have a team that's playing in either that three or four way that has scored 200 points, 210, 220 points, you have the ability to get to the next six or get to the final six. And if you get to the final six, you have a chance to win it all because at that point you're playing head-to-head after that and you're good to go. Figuring that out along the way. But the beauty of the the new rule is that at no point are we ever going to incentivize you basically just bottoming out. bottoming out. Bottoming out doesn't work. So you can't just give away all your players and accumulate future picks. You can do that, but it's not going to be with the same level of reward. Okay. Short and sweet on that one. So just, again, a real quick recap. Do any kind of preseason work that you want. Grab a quarterback, drink and eat a lot, fill out your roster and preseason uh, free agency, which we do after the draft. Have your team, set your team each week, evaluate your team after week one, 
then follow it closely up through week six. Once you get to week six, which is our transaction deadline at the end of week six, did your team get to 200 points? How many times? The more times it went over 200 points, regardless of record, the better chance you have of being able to make a run. And that's ultimately what it comes down to. And then you make your decision at week six and then see how week seven, eight, and nine play out uh, before the end of the regular season. I think that's it. You can get this podcast wherever you get your podcast. Just put in CFFL HQ. We are four months away from draft weekend. Should go fast now that we're into some warm weather. Get us closer to football season. And, yeah, be getting these up. Hope you enjoyed this. Be putting more of these up. And I'll be talking to you all soon. Take care. Have a great day. All the best to everyone.